welcome to Optimal Health Uncovered. We are a group of health and wellness professionals in the New York metropolitan area where our mission is to empower you to live better. From specific injuries to general fitness trends, diets to sleep habits, our group of specialists are dedicated to bringing you the latest evidence-based research on the topics that matter most. Welcome to this session of Optimal Health Uncovered. Welcome back to the Optimal Health Uncovered podcast. I'm Tal Wolkowski. And I'm Mike Beecher. Today we are joined by Zach Beekner to discuss sauna treatment and other forms of heat stress. Zach's a licensed athletic trainer with us that runs our recovery division at Performance. Why don't you tell us a little bit about recovery services at Performance and your role? Yeah, thanks, Todd and Mike, for having me on. So at Performance, uh, like you said, I run our recovery division. Our services here focus on empowering people to recover faster. A lot of times we can't we can't control the stresses around us, but we can improve the way our body reacts to them. So we have a full line of recovery services, cryotherapy, compression therapy, and heat therapy, which I know is, is uh, what we're going to kind of focus on today. There's actually several different types of heat therapy. Uh, you can go as simple as just a, a hot bath or a shower uh, using a heating pad, a paraffin bath, uh, and then sauna, which is actually one of the services that we, uh, we offer here at Performance. Yeah, heat therapies have been used for decades in our rehab settings and athletic training settings. Now we're seeing them more widely used in wellness and longevity centers due to the vast amount of health benefits. Today, we're going to really dig into sauna. So let's start it out. Mike, I'm going to toss a question to you. Tell us exactly what, what is sauna? So sauna is the use of a room typically made of wood, uh, and it's for the purposeful exposure to heat for a short period of time. And we'll go into today why you would expose yourself to heat. But in general, that's, that's what sauna would be used for. Is it finished wood? It is finished wood. Typically, it's a very common practice in uh, in Finland. So a lot of the woods are untreated cedar or spruce. And there is some thoughts throughout history, not just in Finland and otherwise, that the wood has some, some of the positive benefits will come from that. But um, usually modern science will kind of point to the heat itself as, as the main um, reason why things improve. I know there's different types of saunas out there. Let, let's uh, dig into those a little bit. Why don't you tell us a little bit about traditional saunas and then we'll go to infrared, etc. Sure. So the main difference between saunas just kind of lies in the heat source itself. So traditional saunas are also known as, as finished saunas. Uh, they use electrical heaters to heat the air. And then that, that heat transfers to your body through a process called convection. Um, the temperature in those t- can get up a little bit higher uh, and we'll talk about kind of what's ideal, but anywhere from usually 158 to about 212 degrees Fahrenheit um, with some ideal ranges based on some of the research being around 176 to kind of 195. Um, but that's the, that's traditional. And then infrared emits thermal radiation uh, and that heats the body directly. So that, that kind of lies, therein lies one of the main differences. Uh, they operate at different temperatures, right? So infrared's a little bit lower temperature because it's heating your body directly like the sun would. Uh, so they usually operate at around 113 to 140 degrees. And then there's differences in infrared uh, in just the wavelengths. There's near-infrared saunas and there's far-infrared saunas. And that's just based on the, the wavelength themselves. So near-infrareds, they use uh, incandescent bulbs and they produce, as the name implies, near-wavelengths. Far-infrared, they use usually ceramic or metallic heating uh, and they produce far infrared or far wave far infrared wavelengths, and that's similar to the sun. And there's some benefits to to both. How about what we hear about wet versus dry saunas? The only difference there is is humidity. 
so typically wet saunas are more your traditional saunas and they add in either rocks over the heating element and then pour water over those in your traditional finished sauna or like a steam room, uh, for example, in a lot of health clubs would be an, an example of a wet sauna. So just higher humidity level, it makes it feel hotter, but the ambient temperature actually is a little bit lower. The reason it feels hotter is because your body just can't um, evaporate the sweat because you're constantly um, being inundated with more humidity. So that's what, that's one of the differences are typically, you know, a little bit less in temperature, uh, but they feel a little bit hotter and they have that cardiovascular effect, uh, slightly more even than some of the traditional saunas, but all in all, we'll, we'll get to it in a little bit. The heat source is the main difference. Humidity is the main difference, but almost all of them have a positive effect. Um, we'll talk about the pros and cons to some versus the others. I think the question that comes up a lot is, is there, is one type of sauna better than the other? So let's throw that around the room here and dig into this a little bit about the pros and cons of traditional versus infrared. And sometimes it's just access to these, these units, uh, traditional saunas, uh, you know, more times you'll find them in a gym or health club facility, or a lot of people have them at home versus the infrared units where we're seeing a lot more of those these days, just smaller units, less expensive, takes up a smaller footprint, uh, electric uh, generated. So let's dig into that. Zach, why don't you give us a little feedback on your experience with both types? So I think the big thing that I notice with a lot of our clients and our patients is that the infrared is important uh, because it actually has a lower a lower temperature. A lot of times people come in and, and they don't want to sit in 175 degrees plus room for 20, 30, 45 minutes. And I think that's one huge benefit about the infrared sauna is you get the benefits of heating that core body temperature, but then you actually... You, you can sit there at a, at a longer time span because it's a lower temperature. So I think a lot of people really value that and really see the benefits of, of why that infrared sauna is, is so uh, useful and, and, and not having to sit there for so long. Mike, do you have one you prefer? I would say I like them all. Uh, if I were to get one in my house and I've actually looked at you know, pricing it out, I would probably get a conventional. And that's more for, for me for two reasons. I think if you took... All the data that's out there, there's just a little bit more data and research on conventional because it has been around longer. Um, it is a little bit more expensive typically. Um, so that's one positive in the, the infrared camp. Um, and there is a subtle, s small amount of uh, EMF or electromagnetic frequency that is in your infrared saunas. So if you look at some of the research on it, it's very low. It is very safe. It's the same, if not less than what's in our cell phones. It's less than, you know, a hairdryer, for example. So a lot of people say it's pretty negligible and there are some saunas that go pretty low. Uh, but for me, just, you know, with Wi-Fi in my house and, you know, carrying a cell phone and just being around it all the time, if I can do something for 30 minutes to an hour where I'm not exposed to it, that that would be my preference. Um, so between that, the research and the EMF, I, I tend to favor conventional, but I, I like both. And I think both are different because of the way that they heat your body. Ideally, you know, perfect world in my house, I would have both. But um, if I had to pick one, I guess I would pick the conventional. With that said, let's dig into some of the research. Uh, what are the health benefits of sauna? We know that there's a lot of studies out there that show the overall health and uh, they, they improve overall health and uh, lifespan. 
Why don't we dig into a couple of those studies? Sure. So I think one really important one to highlight is uh, an ongoing prospective population study that's going on in Finland. I'm not even going to pronounce the word. I think it's around Cupio, the Cupio ischemic uh, heart disease risk factor study. So it's kind of like the equivalent to um, the Framingham heart study here in the States, right? Just l- uh, one population of individuals tracked over a long period of time. And that allows us to have large sample size and extrapolate a lot of data. So there's about 200 I'm sorry, 2,300 more or less individuals in the study so far. The one negative of the study is the population is pretty homogenous, right? Not all of us are, are middle-aged Eastern Finnish men, but we can take a lot of that data just based on it and then look at some of the other research, which we will. So based on that data, they showed a pretty important effect of sauna on cardiovascular function. So those individuals that use sauna two to three times a week were 27% less likely to die from cardiovascular related causes, which is a pretty big number. And they also found that that result was dose dependent. So those individuals that did it even more four to seven times a week had 50% uh, less likelihood to die from cardiovascular related causes. So not only did sauna decrease the likelihood to die from cardiovascular disease, but it was dose dependent. So the more you do it, the less likely you were uh, to, to pass away from something uh, of cardiovascular origin. It also caused a decrease in all cause mortality. So just all premature deaths, right? Excluding accidents, things like that. Um, you know, frequent sauna use was associated with decreased all cause mortality by a pretty substantial amount. And again, that was dose dependent. So that study highlights, you know, cardiovascular function, just all cause mortality, and also Alzheimer's disease and dementia is another thing they looked at. So sauna use two to three times a week in that population led to 66% lower recent, lower risk of dementia and 65% lower risk of Alzheimer's disease. So some positive effects on that. And we'll get into some of the science as to why. And I think the last thing to kind of pull from from that data would be other Cognitive disorders, so psychotic disorders, bipolar depression, et cetera, uh, sauna use four to seven times a week. Those individuals are 77% less likely to develop uh, those disorders. So when you look at that data, it's pretty robust and they normalized for age, other lifestyle factors, activities. So, you know, you're kind of comparing apples to apples as much as you can. You're not comparing, you know, sauna individuals being healthier than the individuals in the population who are smoking and others. So, so I think it is a pretty prominent study and a pretty well done and designed study. The only negative to that one would be that, again, it's, it's a homogenous sample size, but there's a lot of other data that we'll talk about here today. Yeah, great data from that study. There was actually uh, another study that was done using that data it showed how uh, sauna bathing reduced the risk of respiratory disease. And this was published in 2017. Uh, showing the decreased risk in acute and chronic respiratory illness, primarily pneumonia, which is a common complication of influenza and other viral and bacterial infections. It drew the data from that study, looking at 1,953 of those Caucasian men, ages 42 to 61 years old. Similar uh, findings, you know, men who use the sauna two to three times a week uh, versus zero to one time a week, we're 27% less likely to develop pneumonia. Those who actually use the sauna four to seven times a week were 41% less likely to develop pneumonia. You know, they felt that this was due to the uh, decrease in oxidative stress and decrease in inflammatory stresses. Again, this no, there's no data out there right now to suggest that sauna will have any effects on COVID-19, but you can take from uh, this study a little bit of the response uh, of decreasing the risk for acute and chronic respiratory illness, primarily pneumonia, which can be a complication of COVID. And there may be some dots that get connected down the road regarding sauna use, but uh, that'll be something that we find out a little later. 
I think it's interesting to note too that a lot of these studies are coming from Finland. They're Finnish studies uh, by the physicians over there. I, I did a little research into uh, saunas in Finland. Right now, there are approximately 3.2 million saunas in Finland compared to 2.6 million households. That's a pretty big number when you talk about more than one sauna per household. I, I even read that they actually incorporate saunas into prisons in Finland, which is which is pretty wild. But then I, I think the really the bigger picture is to look at the life expectancy. I think that's really important to note that in Finland, life expectancy right now is 81 and a half years, whereas in the, whereas in the U.S. right now we're at about 75 and a half years. So Todd, Mike, if you're lying on your on your deathbed and I could say I could give you an extra three years if you go sit in the sauna, would you take it? I'm taking it. Let's dig into some other studies. Uh, Mike, what about like peripheral artery disease or hypertension? You talked a little bit about depression. Can we dig into that a little bit? Yeah. So th- what I talked about so far is just that one study and it, it pulled a lot of data. So we wanted to, so we don't want to just put all our eggs in that basket. So pulling from, from kind of all the research and I won't get into all of it cause it gets a little, um, weedy, but peripheral artery disease, there is high quality evidence, randomized control trial to show that individuals with uh, PAD or peripheral artery disease have improvements in their pain levels, their ability to walk, which is a huge issue for those individuals and actually a, a change in the lower extremity blood flow. And the thought is that, and some of the science supports that the arterial compliance, the pliability essentially of, of the arteries is improved due to sauna use uh, frequently. And those have, have been lasting effects for up to six to eight weeks after sauna use. Um, there's some data on cholesterol, a little bit more uh, smaller sample size for these studies, but they should have shown improvements in total serum cholesterol levels and also LDL levels just from nothing else but uh, doing sauna um, as well. So hypertension is another one. Two to three times a week of sauna use decreased uh, risk of hypertension by 24%. 47 times a week by uh, 46%. Again, that's kind of arterial compliance is the thought there. Um, Inflammation, just general inflammation, which is kind of a broad word. But if you look at one chemical component of inflammation called C-reactive protein that's present in chronic inflammation, uh, when you look at individuals who do sauna two to three days a week, at least they have decreased levels of that C-reactive protein. And again, that's dose dependent, meaning if they did four to seven days a week, they had less levels of C-reactive reactive protein. So, and just an important marker of inflammation and then, uh, depression and cognitive function. I think this is, is, is pretty interesting research. So this was probably the highest level of evidence I was able to find like double blind placebo control trials in individuals with depression. Uh, they showed that after sauna use, the depressive levels were decreased and that effect could last, uh, upwards of six weeks after heat exposure, right? So they removed sauna and then measured levels of depression, um, through, you know, standardized scales six weeks later and found that they were, they were lower. Uh, and there's certain hormonal components, uh, associated with that. So I won't go too much into that and I'll kind of stop there. But if I were to look at anything we do in health and wellness, if, if it had this much data, I would recommend it. So this to me, sauna kind of parallels exercise as something that is pretty concretely recommended in the research. If cleared by, you know, your medical provider, I do recommend it for everybody. And I think the data is just, is hugely, uh, hugely supportive of it. So in this time where much of the world is hyper-focused on their health, their immunity, their vulnerability to disease, I think it's really important to look at ways to help combat disease uh, and kind of living and staying in optimal health. I actually came across an American study done in 2015 where the authors evaluated the understanding of how the inflammatory cues delivered by the thermal element of fever stimulate innate and adaptive immune responses. 
We know that innate immune cells are the first responders of the body, uh, arriving within those first few hours to destroy pathogens through the phagocytic and cytotoxic activities, which limit infection until the adaptive immune response is generated, uh, which is usually about a uh, week, uh, six, seven days later. So this study actually found that fever range temperatures, which is anything above 100.4 to 105.8 degrees Fahrenheit, stimulate every step of the immune response process. So they actually promote the innate and the adaptive immunity, which that evidence suggested that the increase of one to four degrees Celsius in core body temperature, which is what is occurring during a fever, is associated with improved survival and resolution of many of the infections. We don't want to like go too far where we're actually making claims about COVID and preventing disease. Uh, you know, by no means are we claiming that sauna could prevent or cure someone of the novel coronavirus or, or any virus or any disease, but it's interesting to consider using sauna as a way to help increase the function of the immune response, boosting immunity, increasing one's ability to, f to fight infection. Yeah, I think this is an easy one when we try and give evidence-based uh, discussion uh, with clients. It's, it's just very easy to draw on a lot of good data as far as all the benefits of sauna. Let's talk a little bit about uh, how long you're in a sauna, whether we touched briefly on some of the studies saying minimum 20 minutes at certain temperatures. Can we dig in a little bit on the, the length of time we'd be in a traditional sauna versus an infrared sauna? Yeah, I'll start and then I'll open it to Zach because Zach probably knows a lot more about it than I do. You know, if you look, I'll just give the research-based answer. Kind of 20 minutes and up for conventional or traditional saunas is is kind of the delineating line of where a lot of these positive benefits were seen. And again, it is a little bit dose dependent. So you want to do at least 20 minutes, but you know, if you can tolerate 30 to 40 minutes, but that's dependent upon temperature. If you're in there, someone like, you know, Laird Hamilton is a big sauna user, professional surfer, kind of a, a crazy guy as well. Um, he's in there for 200 degrees Fahrenheit for a long, longer time than most people can tolerate. So I think higher temperatures, lower amount of time but you want to try and be in there at a, at a comfortable level, but trying to get in around for conventional 170 degrees um, for about 20 minutes or so. So I'll stop there. And then Zach, you can get, kind of give probably a little bit better answer. So I think the one we focus on most here at performance is the infrared sauna. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the caveat with using a traditional sauna is the temperature. And a lot of people can't always stay in there for very long. For our patients, we actually start them in the infrared sauna at about 15 to 20 minutes to assess their tolerance and then move up from there. We we book our patients that they could actually stay in as long as 45 minutes for a treatment of infrared sauna. But again, like Mike mentioned, if you're, if you're going in at a higher temperature, you may not need as long in those saunas. So with an infrared sauna, even though it's a lower temperature, Temperature, you're using a little bit different type of heating element. So you're using the infrared light waves. Uh, we use those because they're they're easily absorbed. They actually stimulate the lymphatic, immune, cardiovascular systems. Um, and it does all of that without the harmful rays of sunlight. So as you as you heat the body up with infrared, it acts a little bit differently in that regard. So you can stay in longer. And you may not even feel that sweat until close to 15 to 20 minutes after sitting in there. Whereas a traditional sauna, you're going to feel that sweat almost almost within those first couple of minutes of standing in that sauna. So let's dig in a little bit. You know, why exactly does the sauna work and what does heat exposure actually do to the body? So it's, it's kind of similar to exercise. Heat exposure um, causes a 
process in the body where your, your body kind of has to adapt to a stressor, right? So the high temperature causes an increase in your skin temperature, an increase in your core body temperature, and then your body has to balance that out. And that physiologic response, you know, typically is similar to same thing if you're going kind of moderate to vigorous exercise. So your body tries to bring itself back to homeostasis. And each time you're kind of exposed to that heat stress, you develop a little bit more of a tolerance and your body comes, becomes more efficient at regulating that stress. So it, it heart rate, for example, will go up at a proportionate level and um, cardiac output and your ability of your heart to get blood out to the tissues and, and the organs and all good things, you know, that's all increased. When you talk about what happens at a cellular level, it gets a little bit confusing. So I'll just kind of highlight three things that I think are important. You know, it increases something called heat shock proteins. So heat shock proteins, as the name's, name implies, is a protein that is responsible and, and released kind of in response to heat and heat stress. And it's been uh, attributed to increasing lifespan and preventing against some neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's. And the reason it, or the way that it does that, it kind of repairs damaged protein cells. So anyone who kind of reads some of the longevity literature will we'll hear a lot about heat shock proteins. Another protein that's important is the FOXO3 protein. Um, and that's responsible for regulating DNA repair, tumor suppression, um, improving stem cell function and improving immune function. So again, healthy aging and long uh, longevity. Uh, this is a protein that you'll hear if you ever heard like David Sinclair uh, at Harvard talk about some of his research. It, it functions with, you know, a something called sirtuins, which are kind of the guardians of the cells that help protect our body from DNA damage, right? So this is an important protein as well. And then the last one um, from a cellular or molecular level is something called interleukin-6, which is just an inflammatory uh, cytokine. Uh, and, it, and it's a mediator of inflammation and also can decrease insulin uh, resistance. So it could help with you know your body's ability to regulate glucose and have some positive effects there as well. Um, and then from a heart rate level, you know, I just wanted to be clear. It's it's kind of like exercise in the sense that your heart rate increases, but you're not doing so um, at a dangerous level. It's kind of mild to moderate levels depending on the individual. But that is something that we always talk to our, our patients or clients beforehand. You, you do want, if you have cardiovascular dysfunction, you do want to just be cleared from a doctor. But if you're cleared for exercise, generally you're cleared for sauna as well. That's a great point. You know, talking about how our heart rate increases with moderate level, uh, moderate intensity exercise, you know, in the sauna, typically lower temperatures, shorter period of time, you, your heart rate will get up to about 100 beats per minute. If you increase that temperature, increase that length of time, some of the studies have shown that the heart rate will actually go up near 150 beats per minute, which is more closely uh, associated with you know our moderate exercise levels, as you stated. Let's touch a little bit more on these heat shock proteins. As you stated, you know heat stress will trigger these heat shock proteins to be released. They have this; uh, they support antioxidant uh, production and repairing the damaged proteins in our in our bodies and our cells. You know, there was a, a study, a longevity study that looked at uh, a heat shock prote protein 70, which actually looked at two 20 minute sauna sessions separated by a 30 minute cooling off period. And it actually showed a two fold increase in uh, growth hormone levels. And then they uh, looked at another piece of that and said, what if you did two sessions, uh, 15 minutes in duration with that, uh, 30 minute cool off period still there, but at a higher temperature. And it actually showed fivefold increase in growth hormone levels. So 
stimulation of this growth hormone, helping in protein repair, helping our cells heal, everything positive there. Todd, you mentioned uh, the study about heat shock protein. I think it was like 70. That was a Danish study and they found that the lifespan in those individuals actually one to two years longer. And they attributed it specifically to serum levels of that heat shock protein. So I just thought that was pretty important data. Could we combine sauna use with exer- exercise? There's been some studies that have shown that there's a, a synergistic increase in growth hormone levels when you combine the two. Can you explain a little bit more about that, Mike, and how that works with growth hormone and how maybe adding exercise, adding sauna treatment, before, after exercise, and how that'll help stimulate growth hormone levels. Yeah, so you could do it as a standalone because it's been shown, sauna in and of itself has been shown to increase human growth hormone levels. But it, like Todd said, just said, it's kind of magnified with exercise as well. So exercising in the sauna, not going crazy um, until you're really adapted to it. So light exercise, some people just get a bike in there, a spin bike in there, and they'll do some light cardiovascular exercise in there. Uh, and that's going to stimulate other factors that release growth hormone levels. So in a previous podcast, we talked about how you know you have androgen receptors in your lower body. So I tend to favor leg-specific exercises for the purpose of HGH release or testosterone release in the body. So if you're looking to really maximize that in sauna, biking is a really great thing to do. Um, you know, I've heard individuals talk about kettlebell swings in there as well. It really doesn't matter what, what you're doing. You want to become adapted first. So general recommendation would be just get in a sauna, become adapted to it first before you start to add exercises uh, and do so safely, right? So if you're going to add exercise in a sauna, you know, the risk would be something were to happen. You're in there by yourself, right? So either do it with a medical professional's guidance. If, if we're here, for example, Zach's going to be, you're checking in on our clients, but if you're doing it at home, just make sure you're kind of progressing slowly, but a lot of positive of benefits just with exercise coupled with sauna and then some of the newer data research um, showing that. Well, that that's a about wrap up time for us here tonight. Zach, Mike, thanks for uh, digging into this discussion this week on sauna and heat stress. Very informative. Thanks for having me. Thank you everyone who's out there listening. Hope to provide more information in the future and empower you to live better by optimizing your health. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of Optimal Health Uncovered. If you have questions for us or want to hear about something specific in an upcoming episode, send an email to podcast at performance-pt.com and be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more tips on optimal health. Until next time, be well.